Like, he has been the pita chips and hummus. Oh, it's actually really friggin' good. He, like, crab walks over and saves the NYCFC penalty kick. Everyone starts celebrating. They're, they're running around the field. The smoke goes off. David Goss doesn't even know if there's teams in the Western Conference. With that, we are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Alex Kraken. He's Grant Hirschberger, and Minnesota United has won their first ever MLS playoff game. Grant, how are you feeling? Tell me about your feelings. Tell me about your dreams. Oh my goodness, Alex! I have not slept in the past 24 hours. Uh, I have been doing push-ups constantly the entire time. Um, I'm amped. I'm amped. That was such a good game. We had highs, we had lows, we had shots on goal, we had Dane St. Clair blessing the goal posts. It was beautiful. Are, are you amped? Because I'm amped. It had everything. It had everything. It was, I mean, it the, it started much earlier. I mean, shortly after we recorded last week's show on Monday, we started not only seeing pictures of people in training, um, and then also we started hearing the rumors, which we did touch on a little bit. But we thought they were going to just make the quarantine time shorter. Once the word of like these private jets started coming out, I was like, okay, it's on. Like if we can get these international guys back, that's a whole different game. So that's when my uh, excitement started. And then that just led up to kickoff and uh, a little nervous. But yeah, man, at the end of the day, three points, three goals. I had called it. I called three and nil on Friday. I mean, this, the heavens opened. Angels sang. I wept. It was, it was, it was everything. You know, 3-0, 3-0 for the big Alex McCracken 3-0. For our listeners who don't know. I turned 30 on Saturday. Yeah, Alex turned 30. So it was a little homage. You know, the loons line that up specifically for Alex. Um, so credit to Alex. If you would have turned 40, it would have been 4-0. Right, I'll work on that maybe yeah. in 10 years. Yeah, hurry up on that. Uh, no, I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was super interesting. No Metonair. Yes. So that was one we hadn't seen anything about him. And he was in Madagascar, I think, um, which I don't know that it's just as easy as like hop on a private jet. Like I'm sure they can get one to Madagascar, but I don't know if they just like didn't have him come or if it wasn't, they couldn't get a private jet to him that quickly. Or if they weren't allowing, I mean, you know, Minnesota United to do all four players, Either way, yeah, no Metonair, which was a little surprising. I, I was surprised. You know, um, I've got a good buddy, Max, who is a big fan of Hassani Dotson at right back and thinks he should stay there. Um, so he was really amped to see Dotson start at right back. I thought Dotson played admirably. I mean, I think there are moments and situations where Dotson really fits well, and I thought that Colorado attacked that right side. But I was surprised that Metonair wasn't there. Um, super awesome to see Gregush and Lude play. Uh, wasn't expecting loot at the nine, but not mad about it. Back not from mad international about that. duty where he played as as a kind of a false nine. Um, right away, you know, Heath puts him back up there, and I mean, again, it kind of makes sense. That's like our four best players, and if you have all four of them on the field, why not? Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to talk about this game, but I think um, the lineup, no big question marks, right? Like uh, Ozzy and Hayes weren't in the starting lineup. Um, but it kind of makes sense if you're going to have, you know, Jan Gregush is an eight, you kind of want a solid six. And I don't think Hayes necessarily is a six. And I think Ozzy wasn't fully ready. So 
you know, Hairston at the six, I love it. He has played really admirably lately. Yeah, Ozzy was the only one we didn't see any pictures of at training. So um, I had heard some rumbles that he was healthy and then didn't see him in the starting 11, which, yeah, maybe he wasn't fully healthy or maybe, you know, maybe Heath was saying, you know what, we don't, we can beat them without Ozzy. And so let's see how it goes and see if we can give Ozzy a full, you know, see if we can get him only 20 minutes. You know, if we had gone down 2-0 in the first 30 minutes, maybe like, all right, Ozzy, we need you. But with the way the game went, you know, maybe maybe Heath was just kind of rolling the dice and hoping we can get by without him, which we ended up doing for, I think it was 60-some minutes. Yeah. No, I'm definitely down for more Hairston. Um, I'm pretty high on him personally. I think he's a really good addition to the team. I think he fits well into the team. You've got gigantic shoes to fill with Ozzy Alonso. You know, if you're fitting in that defensive midfielder role, uh, credit to Marlon Harrison for just really playing very solidly, fitting into the team where we needed him. So um, no big gripes with the lineup. Um, I liked it a lot. You know, we stick with that 4-2-3-1 that we normally do. So I'm glad we didn't switch to a 4-3-3 randomly. I, I hope we continue to avoid the 4-3-3 because I don't think it's our best lineup. But uh, any other observations on the lineup, Alex? Yeah, I mean, it comes out. We see we have Lute up top. You know, obviously you mentioned no Nair, so we see Dotson at right back. Um, Boxall was back, which was, I mean, we had seen him in training again, so it wasn't super surprising. So it's Gasper, uh, Debasi, Boxall, and Dotson. Um, and then Kai is back in the 18 which is good again, which we all we all kind of saw him coming back, and then obviously Lude and Jan um, are starting. So it was a great lineup. It wasn't as ex- exciting probably because we kind of knew it was happening, um, but there was nothing that I saw that was like, oh man, we're gonna be up against it here. Yeah, no, I I thought it was solid overall. I'm glad um, we didn't force anything. Um, no disrespect to Kai Kamara, but I really think that putting Robin Lude, if you're gonna try to fit. Kevin Molino, Emmanuel Reynoso, Ethan Finley, and Robin Lude into a lineup, it makes the most sense to just put Robin in that kind of... Like, he wasn't really a false nine. Am I crazy? Like, he played as a striker. It wasn't a false nine where he's dropping super deep into the midfield, right? Like, he, he was kind of floating left and right. He kind of floated centrally a lot of the times. But truthfully, he played like a real striker, and and he's done that for Finland before um, in the Euros. I thought he was great. I really thought he played to the advantages where Kevin Molino and Emmanuel Reynoso, um, you know, like to fit into tight spaces when they're dribbling. And Robin Lude's advantage, or, or rather, Robin Lude's uh, special qualities is that he's really good at floating into open space. So his ability is that he understands that spacing. And I think if that's what your nine is doing, Great, you're you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, overall, I think I get annoyed with people calling positions false. Anything, I also get annoyed with like when people break down the formation super annoyingly. Like, well, it's more like a four-one-one-two-one. It's like, okay, just whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, it's it's the people out there, and it's the same thing. Yeah, like he's up top, and they're all rotating you know, amongst each other like you would at any time, but the false We're not playing foosball. You know, you're not connected (laughs) where you can't physically move. Like, people float, you know? And I get it. I get that there are differences, and, like, I'm sure 
you know, some people would say they're a world of difference, you know, whether it's a true nine or a false nine or, you know, a, a four or five versus a four or one, one, you know, but like it all kind of means the same thing. And at the end of the day, it worked great. And I think that when you have those four players who are working so well together and they've all kind of had a little bit of experience playing each other's positions, it just ends up with what we saw of just this like rotating fluid play that um, on both, you know, all three of the goals would just picked apart the defense. I think anytime you can have Emmanuel Reynoso, Kevin Molino, and Robin Lude on the same lineup, Ethan Finley too, but Ethan Finley is a bit more static in his positioning. Um, those three players, though, float so much that as a defense, I don't imagine how you can just start to mark those guys. You know, they're, they're always moving. If you're doing man marking, it's going to be exhausting. If you're doing zone marking, it's going to be mentally exhausting because you're constantly trying to figure out whose responsibility is where. Um, so I, I, I'm all about it. You know, I, I just recently had a tweet that was saying that um, in the last six games where Robin Lude, Kevin Molino, Emmanuel Reynoso have all started together, they are five wins, zero losses, one tie, with 17 goals for and five goals against. So that's a, that's a great startup. Like, that's a great lineup right there. You know, you can't really have a lot of complaints with those players in your lineup. And they're all workhorses, too. They're all going to be a defensive threat and cause turnovers. So while you're working against all the offensive threats, you also, at any point, you know, you're working out the back. Any one of those guys can take the foot off your ball, and they're the other way as a team, which we saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah, credit to—specifically, I want to give credit to Ethan Finley and Emmanuel Reynoso. On the offensive side of the ball, when they're playing defense— they just press super hard. I mean, that's the thing. I saw it on Twitter, and I'm sorry if I'm not giving you proper credit, whoever I saw, but one of the reasons why I believe Emmanuel Reynoso will be far better than Darwin Quintero for the overall benefit of this team is that he just presses on defense constantly. You know, he's always tracking back. Same with Ethan Finley. He's just pressing super high. So we get turnovers high up in the field where we're really dangerous. So You said will be better than Darwin Quintero. At this point, are you still saying that Darren Quintero meant more to Minnesota United than Emmanuel Noso already has? I don't think it's a crazy question, but I think I would say even even what he's already given us, it's better than what we got from Darren Quintero over the course of whatever it was, two or three years. He still is, I mean, he's by far our leading goal scorer, so maybe I'm being harsh on the guy, but I just think when you think about that stat of like the games that we've won with him, and obviously he brought us our first playoff win, that's, I mean... I would say that's a fair question. I think Darwin gave us goals, period. And Darwin continues to give Houston goals. He continues to give Houston assists. But like I said, in a, uh, I think it was a couple podcasts ago, you know, if you listen to the Houston Reddit page and the Houston Twitter fans and whatever, um, you'll see people saying that Darwin doesn't do anything other than kind of score and then sometimes get assists. The way that Emmanuel Reynoso affects the game overall is far more vast and deep than what Darwin does. Darwin will get you a couple of goals, but if you shut Darwin down, he's not going to get you those goals. Yeah, and when he wasn't getting us goals, we weren't winning, which we is partly on us. Yep. But when Reynoso is, I mean, Reynoso is affecting so much of the game. I mean, the fact of the matter is... Minnesota United has only lost one game where Emmanuel Reynoso has started. Only and that one was Columbus game. Columbus Crew. It was early. Yep, Columbus Crew, two to one. Everything else, we've either tied or won. 
because of Emmanuel Reynoso and his effect on the game is that we have such quality players like Kevin Molino, Robin Lude, Ethan Finley, that, okay, you can try to take Emmanuel Reynoso out of the game, but Kevin's going to burn you. Mm-hmm. And then if Kevin burns you, people have to focus on Kevin. And now Emmanuel's open to pass it to Lude, and now Lude scores. Well, okay, you take Lude out. Okay, now he passes it to Finley. Like, it is such a better and much more healthy scenario than the Darwin Quintero. It's like getting into a better relationship. You know, we're, we're ditching the old toxic X. Okay. And we are in a much healthier relationship with Emmanuel Reynoso, that beautiful Bebelo boy. I just love him. And I will say, I want to take a moment to make sure everyone's clear on this. November 19th, I officially updated my MLS is back bracket to have us beating Colorado. When we talked last time, I said we were going to lose based on these things, and all those things changed. I have updated my bracket, and I had full confidence we were going to win that match. Now, Alex, who had us winning before that? Okay, that's uh, that's fair. That's fair. Was it me? Was it was, yeah. a, it was me, fair. wasn't it? That's fair. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I also updated to have us beating Kansas City. I have us going. We're, we're facing, I have us facing uh, Seattle in the conference semifinal. Interesting. I, I have us playing LAFC. Mm, okay. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And that's tomorrow? They play tomorrow. Yeah, there's three matches tomorrow night. That ought to be a good one. So um, right off the bat, what do you think of Colorado? It's a solid Colorado team. Colorado has been a good a good team this year. I mean, not only they had their struggles with, you know, COVID, um, but even, you know, even without the points per game, they still made it into the playoffs just based on points, despite the fact that they had four or five less matches than everyone else. So... People have been ragging on Colorado somewhat unfairly, and even I said I said early on in this earlier on in our podcasts, I said something about how the fact that they're working on something there and don't quite have it yet, um, and even that might be selling them a little short. Like they have a good team and they play better as a collective than just the individual talent they have, um, and they what they did both the times we played them is they came out really strong. Um, not only in their lineup, which had at least two strikers and, you know, with the attacking mindset that they had, and they just came out the gate swinging in both the first and the second half, which is what they did. And it really put us on our back heels. It did it back when we played them a month ago, and it did it on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, they had some good chances early on, and actually throughout the whole game, too. You know, Shin Yashiki, very adept attacker. He made me very nervous. Diego Rubio's back in the lineup. Cole Bassett, very good young player for them. Um, Jack Price, I, I thought he was going to be in my attic uh, this morning after I said some negative things about him. Um, thankfully, that old haunted doll was not anywhere near my uh, home. Weird thing that I want to throw out here, Kellen Acosta at left back, I thought he was a midfielder. I thought he was like one of those future MLS United States midfielders who, who was going to kind of break into the USMNT but he's playing left back. He didn't look that great. What were your thoughts on that? Um, I had none. I actually that one that one went over my head. I'm pulling him up now. Yeah, he is uh, primarily a central midfielder or sensitive defensive midfielder. Um, which again, I mean, it kind of goes back to the attacking mindset that they came out with in in that match. Which is interesting that they tried to go so attacking and just could not find the goal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's kind of like they sold out on getting goals first and came very close. I mean, in the fourth minute, they had like that breakaway, basically, where I don't know. I mean, Dane St. Clair got a foot to it that was amazing. Um, but yeah, the, in the 
again, the first half and the second half at the start, they came out swinging. And yeah, if they put in a couple of those goals, they look like geniuses. But then once you kind of, once you survive that initial attack, then they're exhausted and they don't have, you know, a lot of defensive players on the field. And I'd kind of made a note of that early on, like they're coming on strong and they're doing a high press. If we can survive this, we can come back and get goals later in the half. And sure enough, that's how it worked. But not by much. I mean, it, we had a couple of very close calls. Yeah, I don't know if it just is the buildup of teams or what it might be, but like I feel like Minnesota United takes a good, you know, 13 to 20 minutes to really get rolling in games. We don't score a lot of goals super early. We kind of take some buildup time. We almost let them have the ball. And I don't want to say that cocky, like, oh, we're just going to let you have it. But, you know, typically we concede possession early and then, they tend to get a shot early on goal against us. Um, and we're lucky enough to have a good goalie like Dane St. Clair. That was a great save with his foot. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, they had a, a couple of good shots really early, and I was super nervous. I mean, God, I thought they were going to score early, but they didn't. We got lucky. And as Emmanuel settled into the game, as Jan Gregus settled into the game, we kind of saw more and more opp- opportunities go our way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I even texted you early, early on in the game, like, what is going on? Because it wasn't, it wasn't like one thing that kept happening. It was just like we just continuously are losing the ball, and they are just always in our attacking half. But yeah, twenty first minute, you know, again off a great play coming from Reynoso, um, Molino gets his first goal on a really great finish, really good play be- leading up to it, and then it's kind of like, okay, we're here. It's kind of interesting. It was off a throw in. And then, you know, there's some great interplay between Kevin Molino and Emmanuel Reynoso. And if you watch it closely enough, Reynoso almost has like a, or no, it might be Molino. Molino has like a behind-the-back nutmeg, which is kind of nuts. And then Reynoso dribbles it and gets just like leveled by Lala Sabubakar or Abu Bakr, if you want to pronounce it one way or the other. Um, Gets just leveled by him. But Molino's right there immediately, gets a great shot off, slots it into the left-hand corner. Um, you know, truthfully, it just speaks to how well Molino and Reynoso are already clicking. Halfway through the season, they come on, they develop really quickly. you got to feel good about how Reynoso is going to look next year. And the team, the whole team, the whole offense. Yeah, and it goes to kind of what we were talking about earlier, too, because it was a throw-in on the right side, and it went to Molino initially, who was playing on the left. So, like, we're just that that rotating front four of just, it's, you know, a nightmare. And, yeah, Molino p- brings it in. Yeah, reverse nut makes a guy. Reynoso takes it, dribbles it into the middle, and beats Abubakar, and then he, Abubakar, like, takes him down. I was actually still, like, complaining about the foul and didn't even know that we had scored. So, like, they're understanding where each other are, already is just outstanding and yeah i mean getting in next year which we're hearing that you know Reno, uh, molino's contract is um something like it's going to be renewed which is great like it's going to be just it's such a threat and in, in so many different ways one thing that i think is really good about the team's progression is that as Reynoso has developed with the team and gotten really comfortable with the team we don't need chase gasper bringing the ball all the way up the left side to the corner and crossing it in. We don't need uh, Roman Metnair or or Hassani Dodson bringing the ball all the way down the field. They can stay back. And so that allows for Kevin Molino to come all the way to the right side, even if he's technically a left winger in this, you know, lineup. Or same with Robin Lude, where at times Robin Lude is the striker and he's all the way left or all the way right. Ethan Finley kind of cuts around a little bit too, although he tends to stay more on the right side. 
But my point being is that when we don't need Chase Gasper and whoever our right back may be, Hassani Dotson, Metanier, whatever it is, um, if we don't need them to cross it in, they can stay back and just guard things. And that was one of the biggest things I noticed last night. I don't know if you did as well. Uh, just that Chase wasn't so far up. And so he wasn't always out of position and he was able to do what he does well, which is 1v1 defending, being in the right position. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't notice that, which is a good thing because I usually notice it more when it's like him like running back. He's scrambling back. Yeah, yeah. Right. When he's, yeah, when he's scrambling back. And so, and I didn't notice that, which is a good thing because, yeah, we just, we didn't have to have him doing so much offensively. Um, and those guys, I mean, like we said, they're, those, that front four is so hard working. You know, in the 30th minute, our high press leads to a turnover, um, which actually Harrison was a part of. And this may have been my favorite play of the match, even though it didn't end up becoming a goal. It was turnover, um, you know, one, two, three touches, and like the extra touch from Lude back to Reynoso, who then just like passes it in, doesn't pass it in, it hits off the post. But like they just completely picked them apart, just one pass at a time. I mean, the, when, when Lude had the ball, the goalie finally had no choice but to just completely crash down on him. And when he passed it back to Reynoso, it was just like he just kind of was like, oh, I didn't even think that was ever going to happen. So while that one didn't go in, that's just, again, an example of just the way that that front four is just so lethal right now. I think what's good about that moment, whether or not it ended up being a goal, you know, we got some flack from the announcers about how, you know, oh, Reynoso should have scored. Yeah, he should have scored. Sure, whatever. I think what's important to me about that is the trust specifically between those three players, Robin Lude, Manuel Reynoso, Kevin Molino, that you're going to get yours at some point and you don't have to scramble and fight and be selfish for goals because no matter what, as long as those three are in the lineup together, Lude will get shots, Lude will get goals. Reynoso will get shots, Reynoso will get goals or assists, whatever it might be. Kevin Molino will get shots, he'll get goals. You don't have to be selfish. You can just wait to your next chance because we're going to have a ton of chances. And so you see Lude pass it off when he could have taken a shot. You see Molino pass it off when he could have taken a shot. And Reynoso, you know, the goalie had been drawn so far out that Reynoso is, of course, the person you need to take that shot at that point in time. And he missed, unfortunately. But he could have easily scored in that scenario. And it's one of those that like more felt unlucky. I mean, he didn't like sky it over the net. Like no, he passed it, off it into the, the post. corner. Yeah. And it just it's I mean, it's you know, he you're not like he's gotta score yeah, he should have scored in that situation, but it's not just this like he got flustered or something. He just kind of it got a little unlucky. And it wasn't like on the doorstep either. I mean, he was at the top of the box. It was still yeah. a long shot. There was a lot going on. It was fine. There was a lot it was going fine. On. Yeah. So I think another interesting thing, I'm gonna drop a couple of stats on you, Alex here. Are you ready? Let's do it. Statman Grant here. Uh, Emmanuel Reynoso has provided the primary assist in six out of Minnesota United's last nine games. Games or goals? Goals. I wrote games, but I meant yep. goals. So ignore go. me. I'm, I'm always wrong about something at some point. Uh, Kevin Molino's last four goals have been all assisted by Ray. So just that combination right there. And then last but not least, Kevin Molino is the first Minnesota United player to score multiple goals in consecutive MLS matches. So you look at how these players are playing together and they are clicking. And this is just half a season. This has no offseason. This has no continued established relationship. These are guys who are 
making it work, and I, I just love it so much. Um, how many goals, hypothetically, if Reynoso played from the beginning of the season, how many goals do you think that trio gets? I mean, it's very hard to say. Uh, they're, they're I'm going to make you say Yeah, it. they're obviously a huge <laughs> threat, and... You know, and that's again without a nine. I mean, I think that their best their best form is still going to be when we have a number nine and we have Lude on the we right. We have a nine because Robin, yeah, yeah, and when we have Lude on the right instead of up top as a striker, I think that that will be when we really see that you know kind of come to a full uh, fruition. Um, I, I mean, yeah, they, right now they seem to be scoring at least one a game, if not two. And I think that that's a that 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 is a, a rate that they very nearly would have stayed at. Yeah. Agreed 100%. I, I think, truthfully, you know, I like to give Adrian Heath a little bit of crap um, just because he says some interesting things. I think, you know, he's very exciting for reporters because he doesn't give very canned, boring responses. But one thing I do agree is that that three on your offensive final third, Lude, Reynoso, Molino, are all just top level. I truly believe they're top level. And I think, you know, Zellerayon was the hot pick this year, you know, with the Columbus mm. crew. I think Reynoso is so much better than Zellerayon. And I'm biased. I know I am. But I will lean into my bias and say, you look at the stats per 90, it's all Emmanuel Reynoso. If he would have played the full season with us, easily head and shoulders above Zellerayon. Yeah, seems like it. Another thing I noticed, Alex, was throughout the game – it seemed like, and I'm curious if you noticed this too, Dotson really wanted to float centrally. Um, he didn't float as high as Metonier floated and kind of positioned himself, but he really wanted to kind of get into the middle of the field. And I wonder if it's just because he's played so much central midfield or what that might be. Um, I like Dotson as a right back, but I think his drive and what he wants to do is get forward and get central, and I get nervous because, you know, Marlon Hairston did a good job of kind of covering up some of that, but, you know, if we start getting attacked, if he's leaving a big open spot, we're going to get ripped apart by Sporting Kansas City. You know, they've got Gerso, they've, is it Gerso or Gerso? Gerso, yeah. Uh, Busio, you know, they've got some really good players on that side. I get really nervous about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully this next match will have Metinera back, right? That would be the expectation. Um, if he came back after his last match and is in the States now, he would be going into his quarantine period because he, assuming he didn't take a private flight. Um, so we should still have him back because we don't play again until either the first or the second. So I think that should be enough time. Um, I did see what you were saying with Dotson kind of wandering. Um, and I also saw that with Debassi wandering into the left back position that he'd been playing for the last couple of weeks. So... I think some of that is just the change that has been happening. I'm sure as things happen, you just get sucked back into your old ways. Um, I don't know where where I see Dotson in the future. There's just so many things I think he can do well. I don't know where I want him, you know, where he's making the most impact and where his talents are most useful to us. Um, I, I really like him in the attacking third, which definitely right back gives you some options to be doing that, but... Um, I think that we could find a place where he could put that to work more often than right back. I mean, he still completed 42 of his passes, so um, he attempted 51, so it's 82%. I mean, there's not really, like, a huge problem you can have. And one of the best parts is, per FB Ref, my favorite website, 
um, he had a progressive distance of 381, which means he's moving the ball forward constantly. So I think one of the advantages um, of when you play Hassani Dodson at right back is he's solid enough on defense, but he's constantly moving that ball forward. That's what he wants to do. So it's not ever safe passes or dribbles necessarily, but they're offensively minded dribbles. And you've got a guy like Hassani moving it forward all the way to Reynoso, who that beautiful Argentinian boy can do no wrong. You know, he will always end up securing the ball, dribbling around somebody, and then passing it off safely. So I think when you have Reynoso in the lineup, it makes so many other parts of your lineup work better. It does. It does. And we, we're we're talking a lot about the front four because, I, I mean, I don't blame us. It's very hard not to talk about them. But we did have... Some some good play from our defenders. I mean, Marlon Harrison, we talked about, he he played well. Jan Gregush, I thought, had one of his better matches. It seemed like he was there to really get If us I can out jump of, in you know. really quick with Jan, you know, because I'm looking at the same website here. Jan Gregush with 62 out of 68 passes completed. So that's 91%. That's a progressive distance also of 291. So Jan Gregush had a very good game. People. You know, it's easy to look at Reynoso and be like, man, you know, he is the one that moves the, the game forward, which I agree, he definitely is. But he, Gregus had a really good game. He did. The assist, he very much could have shot that shot. And I think earlier in the year, he probably does. But with, you know, getting a full week of training in and starting to understand these guys a little bit better. Well, I suppose he was gone on international duty, so he didn't get the training that everyone else got. But still getting to understand the players a little bit better, he makes that one extra pass. And, I mean, it it's ends up being Molino taking it in, but if he, Molino hadn't taken it, Lude was standing there wide open too. So that, that extra pass from him there is, you know, just great vision and understanding of where his teammates are going to be. Agree 100%. Yeah, I, I really like to see Jan do well. And I think early in the season, you kind of saw Jan and Reynoso, I would say specifically Jan, struggling to find where he fits next to Reynoso. And I think if you're looking at stats from last night game and just the eye test, they uh, they get it. They definitely get it a lot better now. Yeah, and I, again, I think our whole defense played well. You know, everyone on our starting eleven got a, a rating above seven from uh, Font Mob, except for Ethan Finley, who got a six point seven. Um, you know, yeah, Dotson playing it right back. I thought he did great. Uh, you know, maybe not not a perfect match, and definitely some things to work on. But for someone stepping into a position. He's only played a few times. I thought, I thought he played really well. Uh, but anyways, I think our defense played well. You know, we talked about them having to absorb the punches in the first half, um, which was also true in the start of the second half. Thirtieth, uh, sorry, forty seventh minute, um, right out of the half is when they had that really, really good chance that Debassi ends up like kicking off the line and it goes to it goes to DSC. I don't know how that doesn't go in. Um, part luck, part you know, good defending, I guess, to be there in the right spot. Um, and then again, a couple of minutes later in the 51st minute, there's another chance where they come down. Um, and actually, this is one where Dotson does a really nice job of recovering. He comes out of nowhere um, over to you know the complete opposite side almost and slows the player down enough that was really there. Um, but then it comes across and they end up shooting it. I mean, that ball must have come up at like a 70-degree angle to get over the crossbar. I have no idea how that guy misses it. Uh, but we're, we're still alive. And, you know, some again, again, that... The, the motto of the season is is do enough defensively. Well, and you know, one of the things I do very much agree with um, that Adrian Heath says a lot is goals change games. And if they score that goal, we're 1-1. One, one. 
I mean, that is a completely different game. And if we're 1-1 trying to chase the win again, I think that totally changes our mentality. I think that totally changes, you know, what this team would look like doing those last, um, you know, 40 minutes or so. So, I, 39. You know, I'm not a good math major, I, formal English major. But, uh, yeah, I just think that, like, the fact that we could recover, and I'll call it out what it is, we were lucky enough that they missed that chance. Yeah, I, I can't believe that they missed it. Two, yeah, two really good chances. And it would have been exactly what we were at last time, where it felt like, okay, like we're, you know, we, we survived the initial attack. Now we're winning and we're the better team. And yeah, you get that goal and all of a sudden you realize like, oh, wait, we're tied. Like this is still very much, you know. Yeah. I think, again, we got to give credit to the defense. Debassi has some of those really good big moments that you're like, Okay, you know, I, I would love to see Ike Opara come back. Ike, we miss you. We love you. Please come back to us. But the steadiness of Michael Boxall and the game-changing defensive moments that Debassi has provided have really covered that that defensive hole that, that Ike left because it's hard to replace the reigning defensive player of the year. Yeah, we've had so many newcomers, it's hard to say, like, newcomer of the year. And with how good Reynoso's being, it's kind of like a non-conversation. But what Debassi brought to this team, in in a pickup that was kind of like, oh, we got this new, like, French guy, okay, cool. Like, it wasn't like this, like, oh, we got, you know, for what he's brought... It was kind of a shrug. It was like, yeah, yeah. all right. It was for what he's brought, for, like, what we all thought he was going to bring, you know, it, I, you can't say enough about it. It's like, you know, when you were a kid and your mom would bring home a new snack and you're like, yeah, all right, sure, why not? And it turns out like, oh, yeah, no, this bangs. Like, he has been the pita chips and hummus where you're like, I've never tried this. Oh, it's actually really friggin' good, you know? Sorry, that's a completely sure. specific memory. That's a completely specific memory that only probably tracks with me, but I'm going to stick with yeah. it. Yeah, that's sure. I, I'm 28 I, years old. My mom doesn't <laughs> buy me snacks anymore. All right, I'm gonna throw uh, the, that out there. The good old days are gone. The good old days um, are so gone. But yeah, we survived the the start of the second half again. An onslaught of goals that felt very nervy, and we're lucky. And you know, we did just enough again. Um, and then you know, 54th minute, we finally you know we get our second off Robin Lude um, again. Emmanuel Renoso with the assist. Um, he had two this game. Should have had three because Molino missed a really a really great shot. Like, and then um, he had the kind of hockey assist on Molino's second goal. But Reynoso with the assist on this one, and I think this was a situation where you see the other team not give Robin Lude the credit that he deserves. I mean, you can't let him carry the ball, whatever it was, 10, 18 yards, and then inside the 18. And even at that point, you're still he he's still defending him six yards back and letting him get on his stronger foot and just curl it around you like you don't give that to Robin Lude he's gonna score that like every time yeah there's some big moments that I noticed with this number one being beautiful beautiful pass by Reynoso I mean it's not a straight pass it like curves and you can see Lude's defender kind of go like oh what like he's expecting it to go a different trajectory than it ends up going um Robin Lude has a very nice dribble um, you know, Yarbrough, the Colorado Rapids goalie, probably should have better done a better job, um, you know, on that shot. But truthfully, he's covering the near post. You'd expect your defender to kind of split the difference. And like you said, he doesn't give Lude enough credit. Lude has a great dribble, good shot on his left. 
uh, slots it in far post. Um, too easy. That's a, it's too easy. It's way too, too easy. easy. I love it. Yeah. I hope we it almost have, looked like it didn't go in because it just the whole thing was so nonchalant because Lou was just like, okay, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'll just if you're gonna give me the space, I'll just slot it into the corner. The other thing I noticed specifically was that with Lude playing at that nine role, and I'm not going to call it a false nine because I agree with you, it's kind of like he was really playing a striker role, half and half, whatever. He can float wherever he wants to float. And so the the space and the opening was that he moves far to the right, and if Reynoso wants to dribble up the middle, Reynoso could have dribbled up the middle and tried to pull people, whatever it might be, but Lude moves far to the right. Finley kind of drops back, and so Finley does a great job of being ready defensively. Um, you know, having Lude at that false nine—I'm doing air quotes—false nine role. I'm sorry. It. I whatever. Having Lude at that role is is actually really good, and I would not mind to see him play in that role against Sporting Kansas City because I think it really does open some creative attacking outlets for us. That's interesting. I think we have to look at the way, yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind. I think I would have to look closer at the way that those matchups are going to happen. But yeah, on the night, it ended up being a perfect formation. And then 79th minute, um, you know, we kind of talked about this before. Uh, Jan makes the extra pass and Ted's taking that shot. Molino gets his second. If if Molino hadn't taken it, Lude would have gotten his second. I mean, we were at that point, we were really picking him apart, it felt like. Um, and it speaks to, it speaks to, like I was saying before, the understanding and unselfishness of that trio. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I coach high school across. I do not coach soccer, so I know it's going to be, like, annoying for some people. But I try to tell a lot of my players that if you open up shots for other people, that will drift the defenders to those players, and you will have better shots if you're unselfish. And the thing about this trio that I love is that they get it. Robin Lude totally let Kevin Molino take that, you know, you, you could have fought over it, and they didn't because mm-hmm. the team knows you're going to get your shots, and so I love it. Great let, um, I know he was kind of on the farther side, but, uh, you know, great understanding from Lude and Emmanuel, and, and Kevin just really did a great job doing that little chip. I mean, that was beautiful. He was getting tackled. There wasn't much made of that, but that was not an easy finish. Yeah, he had a nice no, ball not was bouncing, all. and he had a nice little chip up and over him. I mean, it was he had a lot of work to do still. For those of you who follow me on Twitter, I'm super annoying about two players. It's Robin Lude and Most Kevin Molino. Yeah, and, and a lot of things. I'm, I'm super annoying about a lot of things. Thank you for bringing me down to earth, Alex. Uh, but a healthy Kevin Molino is an elite player. He is such a good player when he's healthy. And you see that last night. That second goal by Kevin was not an easy shot. He had to chip it over the goalie while he's getting slide tackled by the goalie. It was beautiful. It was just love to see it. Love to see Kevin healthy. I love his accent. That Trinidadian accent is awesome. I I love that man so much. It's a yeah. It was a good. It was a good. It was a good goal. It was a good game, uh, and we finished in regulation, which apparently other teams just didn't know that you could do. And if you listen to extra time, apparently finishing three zero in regulation is boring. But you know, whatever. I have no patience for them. <laughs> but with that, yeah, let's. Talk David about Goss it. doesn't even know if there's no. teams in the Western Conference. He doesn't. He's like Western Conference. There's other teams. How many? Yeah. So we gave our predictions last week, and round one got kicked off on Friday night 
with New England and Montreal and Nashville and Miami. Leading up to the Miami game, we heard that like half their team had COVID, so many of their stars were not playing. I think they would have lost anyways. It ends 3-0 in Nashville's favor there, but the earlier game was actually the more interesting one where New England beat Montreal off of what I believe was like a 92nd minute goal from Gustavo Bo. 90th minute goal. Exciting one there. I had picked Montreal, and after after we recorded the podcast, I was actually thinking back like that was probably dumb. I shouldn't have picked uh, you know against Bruce Arena. Uh, so in my head and in my heart, I I was not with that pick, but I did pick it on the pod, so I will stick with that. Okay. Well, Alex, could you uh, repeat back what our predictions were? What what did I have for the play in matches? You didn't pick. You said I don't know. I'm, I don't know anything about soccer, and you're so much smarter than me. I just think that I'll let you go ahead. That's true. I said that. I said that. I guess yeah. it was in. You had picked New England. You picked <laughs> New England, the better choice. And it I was picked Nashville as well. Yeah. Nashville is is kind of the darlings, and it's such a shame that they're going to have to play against Philadelphia. Correct. I don't know, man. Philadelphia. I, I don't don't count Nashville out too soon. No, I just mean that, like, that's a tough matchup right away. Yeah, I'm not counting out it anybody. Yeah. It's just like, oh. They're the Supporter Shield winner. Yeah, um, Nashville could have, I think, gone farther if they played different teams. But that's a, I'm not saying they can't do it. I have Philadelphia winning for full disclosure, but that's a rough matchup right away. And then New England, good for them, but I also think that Toronto's going to end up winning that one. Yeah. I mean, same. Yeah, I, I think that Nashville, I still would pick Nashville over New England as a better chance to win it, partly because of Nashville and partly because of Philadelphia. Their defense yeah, is, is so good, Nashville's. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, like we said, Walker Zimmerman, man, like anytime he's out there, you can never be too sure. And, um, you know, Philadelphia has been good in the sense that, like, overall, they tend to win more than they tend to lose. But I don't think they're really well set up for a playoff system where, like, you have to go and you have to win. They just don't seem to have someone who's going to grab the game and be like, we're winning this thing, you know? Which I think Nashville maybe doesn't as much either. But I don't know. You know, Philly seems to win when they can just, like, do exactly what they wanted to do and it works out in the end. Um, And if that doesn't go their way, I don't think they have anything that, like, flipped a switch and it's going to work all of a sudden. We mentioned this last week, but I think Philadelphia is a team that hasn't gotten punched in the mouth yet. And I think eventually, especially in the playoffs, eventually you will get punched in the mouth. And and how you respond is is how you will progress or not progress, you know? So we'll see how Philadelphia responds. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. looking on social. Oh, go ahead. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, you know, Leal and, and Alex Mule are two people they 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 combined for the first goal of the game and they're two people i would have a very close eye on if i was philadelphia obviously um and yeah they come out and they do that again i don't know how philadelphia reacts i don't you know obviously you know brendan arison is very good and he's headed off to europe so you can't argue that um and that other big blonde guy they have is very good um but other than that i just don't ever when i think of philadelphia i don't think like well you really got to watch for this guy and i feel like when you have a team like that it can be very hard to win in a single elimination game format because, again, when you need someone to grab the you know grab the game by the scruff of the neck and like we're doing this thing, you know, you need a Reynoso or you need a you know Zellerian or uh, you know one of those players who's like that person put the game on you know put the team on his back dough. You don't have that. <laughs> it's going to be very hard to win. This might kill any credibility I have left because I know I have very it little. Just very little. Very little. Yeah. 
Uh, I can't even name Philadelphia's striker. Who's their striker? Well, I'll look it up. Because we don't know. Like, it's very interesting. They're a team that continues to win, and they're such a good team. But, like, I don't know their impact players because they just don't jump out of the game, you know? And that's, I'll admit, a little lazy on my part. But um, I still have Philadelphia winning the whole thing because I know that overall they're a very solid team. They're a well-coached team. They're solid. But uh, anyone could really upset me, and I'm wrong frequently, so... Yeah, and the the attacker I was thinking of is Kasper Pizhbilko. Pizhbilko. I listened to him saying it on their website, and I'm really doing my best. Kasper Pizhbilko. Alex definitely didn't Google that. And also, if we needed a second tagline to the podcast, it would be, Alex and Grant, we're doing our best. Yes, it would be. And someday maybe we'll release a, an episode that's just what we found on the cutting room floor of just, like, us Googling stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's out. He's very good. But, again, it's just, like, when I think of Philadelphia, I think of, like, a nice team win, which, again, is great in, in, a, in a long run of a season, you know, supporter shield. But I think that if they come out and they get punched in the face, they could be really in trouble. I, again, I still have them winning, but it's one I'm definitely looking at a little bit more. Um, so that was Friday night. No real surprises there. An exciting game in, in New England, but no real surprises. Saturday, uh, we let's start with the Columbus match. Let's leave the Orlando situation. So Columbus, NYS, uh, New York Red Bulls. Again, I had picked Red Bulls. You'd pick Columbus. I did call. Caden Clark scored the first goal, so I was a little right there. But then, shout out Medina. Shout out Medina. Uh, but then he Columbus put on for back. a city. Yes. <laughs> but then Columbus comes back. Zardes gets a goal somehow. Who knows? Uh, three, I want to throw this Columbus. out. By the way, I saw the funniest tweet the other day where it was like this guy talking about some of you guys in early two thousands really put on that Jeezy song I put on for my city and then got worked 54 to zero in football in high school. And, uh, that is so accurate. I remember listening to that song in soccer in high school and then just getting that kicked out of us so early. And it's like, yeah, what did I put on for my city? Pretty much nothing. I put on a clown hat. That's what I put on. (laughs) So that's Columbus. You caught it right. Um, then but the earlier match is what we really should be talking about orlando city and nyc fc two goals very early on first one came in the fifth minute and then the second one came in the eighth minute and then they played another 122 plus minutes of soccer with no goals causing it to go into a shootout. You know, Alex, I'll be honest. I treated this game like extra time treats Western Conference games. I just didn't watch it. Um, Burn! <laughs> and then pretended it didn't exist. And then pretended it didn't exist. No, I was running errands. I, I truthfully thought of all the games I could miss, like Orlando, NYCFC, like maybe I could skip that one. Um, and I missed a good one. I'm kind of bummed. I truthfully, I regret it. I regret it. I did not watch it live either, and I regret it. And I had, it was one of those things where you start seeing stuff on Twitter like, I can't believe what happened in Orlando. And then I just saw <laughs> yeah. it, it was like, I saw that there was a red card late in the match, and then there was one to shoot. I was like, yeah, I guess that's crazy. And then it wasn't until like 10 o'clock that night that I finally realized what had truly happened. So for anyone who's not aware of what happened, which if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard what happened in Orlando, I'd be very surprised because... Go through the full 90 minutes, go through the full 30 minutes of extra time, 
nothing happened, going to shootouts. Orlando had already blocked one of NYCFC's goals. And then on the last chance that NYCFC had, they blocked a second, meaning Orlando City won without Orlando having to take their last penalty kick, which was Nanny. Whole team celebrates. The Orlando City coach runs into the locker room. He's off the field. Everyone's running around. And then it's, wait, 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 hold everything. The Orlando City goalkeeper was off his line when he blocked the last penalty kick from MICFC. Which, because we're upping under the 19-20 rules, not the 20-20 run rules, is a caution, a yellow card, to the Orlando City goalkeeper, who had already picked up a yellow card during play. So that's a red card now to your starting goalkeeper. Not a problem. We're fine. Put the backup in. Orlando City preps their backup goalkeeper. He gets the gloves on. He, they're, they're still they're obviously still mad because it's crazy to give the starting goalkeeper a red card. They gotta go get you know the Orlando City goal uh, coach out of the locker room. They gotta go find him. They put the backup in. The goal that the, the NYCFC taker who had missed the first you know had had a shot block is back on the line again, and we're ready to go. And that's another pause. I think the whole thing took something like 22 minutes. It's another pause, and then we learn what I had kind of been like. Well, wait a minute. You can't put someone in who wasn't on the field at the end of regulation. So now that your goalkeeper's out, you can't go put your backup in. You have to put a field player in at goal. So this didn't happen until the backup was already in and ready to stop the penalty kick. So then they pull him back off, and they end up putting their center back, I think it was, who had come on in like the 60th minute. Never played goalie. He said he played a couple of games when he was like 16 and he plays with his family sometimes in Argentina, I think he was from. Um, so he goes in, and, I mean, just, it was terrible. He, like, kind of weirdly shuffled to his left, and the NYC player slotted it to the right. But that's still not a big deal. All Nani has to do is just score the last penalty kick, and we're done. And this whole thing is just a bad dream that never happened. And Nani misses it. Well, he doesn't miss it. He gets a block. Nani of former Manchester United fame. Like, one of... made one earlier that match. And one of the greatest Manchester United sides of all time misses a penalty kick against an MLS side. Like, that is important. Absurd. So now we're going into, like, the sudden death version where you just keep going one, 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 one. But, you know, they... Orlando has their center back in at goalie. So they step up again. Uh, he had stayed put the first time, just right down the middle. So this time he goes to the right. They slot it in. No, you know, doesn't save it. Um, Orlando steps up. They make theirs. We're still going. Third taker steps up for NYCFC. The, their center back had gone. He had stayed put the first time. He had gone right the second time. So he figured, I'm going to go left this time. And in the most, like, unathletic-looking save, he, like, crab walks over and saves the NYCFC penalty kick. You know, euphoria, everyone starts celebrating, they're, they're running around the field, the smoke goes off, ref calls the game, everyone's celebrating again. But then a couple minutes later, they realize, well, wait, Orlando hasn't taken their penalty kick yet. So now we gotta, like, stop everything for the third or fourth time, whatever it is, and... Uh, Michelle has to go out and take this last penalty kick to actually win it for Orlando, which he does. He scores, 
and now it is actually over. Alex, that's such a long way of saying I was right about saying Orlando would beat NYCFC. <laughs> it was exhausting. But it's worth noting the refs got everything right. The, the announcers during the game were saying that the refs were way wrong and like they were really, honestly, like unprofessional towards them. But the refs did call everything right. It was ugly along the way. And in the end, the MLS said that those refs cannot ref another playoff game the rest of the year. But they did actually get all the rules right. I think one of the interesting things is, like, this is why... And I I know you, Alex, don't necessarily love the English Premier League. I like the Premier League. I'm in a Premier League fantasy league. I, I watch it pretty frequently. I will go to my... And I watch Bundesliga a lot, too, actually. So I watch the German League as well. And I watch a little bit of Serie A. I will go to my grave saying Major League Soccer is one of the most entertaining soccer leagues because there's enough quality that you can still be impressed by some great shots, great moves, great defending, great attacking, but there's also just some events, that's the best word I can use to describe it, events that happen where you're like, what is going on? And it's just so entertaining that it's like, I don't know how you can afford to not watch Major League Soccer. Truthfully, it's just everywhere. It's bonkers. Yeah, I mean, speaking of events, the next night we have three more matches. Kansas City, San Jose, Minnesota United, Colorado, Portland at Dallas. The night starts out with Kansas City at San Jose. It goes back and forth all match. And then in the 90th minute, Busio the what is he 18 17 scores in stoppage time to give kansas city the win at home again euphoria way to go kid yeah game over right game over four minutes of stoppage time had already been put on but then they scored the goal and celebrated and then in the 98th minute after the 18 year old had scored to put kansas city up the 65 year old chris wandalowski one touch, baby. Crosses it in. He scores the equalizer. And we go into, you know, we go into extra time. Like how I saw like, a lot of people, I saw a lot of people mad because it sounded like there was too much extra time. But you have to anticipate that Busio scored in extra time. And so that adds time onto the extra time already. Like what people forget is when they say there's three minutes of added time it's really a minimum of three minutes added time plus whatever happens. You know, if somebody has right. an injury. As it stands now, we're going to play three more minutes, and anything that happens during that three minutes exactly. also has to be added Exactly. On. So there was and a so, lot yeah, of they people played, crying they about played it. They played a lot. They played a lot. And while, before they scored, I was saying, like, oh, man, Kansas City is going to be so mad about this. And then, yeah, literally the last kick of the game, Wondolowski which is like, yeah, the polar opposite of Busio. Father time, scores. baby. Yeah. Let's and then like go. After, after the, as soon as they touched the ball after that, the game's over. Um, then extra time was kind of boring. You know, they kind of both just went back and forth. Um, and then, dude, Tim Melia, man, before penalty kicks started, they threw up a stat that he has saved 54% of all the penalty kicks taken against him, which is just like uh, unbelievable. And then he saved three in a row to win it. Like, no, San Jose never made a single penalty kick against Emilia. If he keeps that up, he might be as good as Dane St. Clair. Maybe. He can only hope. 
uh, I think I did the math and that brought up to like 58%, which is absurd. That's really good. Just That's a, really good. A crazy match. I, I was really rooting for San Jose. Obviously, like it would have meant that we had a home match and all this stuff. And we have had San Jose's number for a hot minute. Like, we've won the last like four games against San Jose, a combined total. We've let them score almost every single time, but it's been like four to one, five to one, three to one, five to one, four to one, five to one. Like we would have won by twenty-five to zero. Right, like at, someone at this playoffs, like it's just absurd. The, update the Wikipedia page to show like Adrian Heath, like the official owner of the team, like that's the level that we're at. But yeah, I, it's hard to say that the SKC didn't deserve it. They probably deserved it in regular time. Um, and again, Tim Melia, just an animal. Then the well, then we play, and obviously we we won handily there with you know one of the best performances of all time that soccer's ever seen. Uh, just a complete you know walloping and. The best As ever. Extra Time said, it was so good, it was boring. <laughs> uh, and then the late match was Portland and Dallas, which didn't start until 9. And uh, Portland scored in the 82nd minute um, and looked like things were going well. And then again, again in stoppage time, uh, Pepe, the 17-year-old, I think it was, from Dallas, scores. And we go into another 30 minutes of play. And that was it was at 10, I think, already. By the time that started, so that that game went till midnight. Uh, nothing happened in stoppage times. So then we went to penalty kicks, um, and then we went through eight penalty kicks. All went in before Villafania finally missed his, giving Dallas the win after eight penalty kicks. Midnight Central Time. That was so far past my bedtime. I was already like waking up by the end of the game. It was you know? honestly. I watched it and I was like literally my eyes were like doing like the you know like cartoon like half blinks the next um, morning i woke up and saw alex had been tweeting from the dummy run twitter account and i was like <laughs> thankfully he cares enough because i was like not about to stay yeah. up till someone's gotta midnight. come out here and put in the hard yeah. work you know little elbow grease never hurt nobody yeah i'm the prima donna yep yep <laughs> i'll take it um the game was crazy you know I, i'm obviously a portland fan after after the late equalizer um, Diego Valeri had like a chip cross on like the last minute of stoppage time and there's actually a, a, a screen grab floating around Twitter of like it, again an inch to the right and it would have bounced off the post and in in the end it bounced off the post and out as far as the shootout goes I'm really torn um, you know Villafania had a bad penalty kick that was saved in the whatever the eighth round like so you could say that you know he should have done better um, the 90th minute goal that the defense let in, they were kind of sleeping and, and let him, you know, let Dallas equalize when they really shouldn't have. Um, and I also, I love Steve Clark, but like, dude, eight penalty kicks, you've got to give your team a chance there and like get your hand on one of those. So a lot of blame to go around. I think that Portland was definitely the better team on the night, but I mean, that's single elimination, you know, like it doesn't matter The Dallas won. Steve Clark got distracted because he was like, what's my next, like, arm sleeve tattoo going to be? And he just, like, totally forgot that he was in a, a shootout. Um, so, you know, you got to stay focused. You got to stay dialed in, Steve. Also, you Steve know, they, Clark, they were too many first names. Too many first names. Pick one. Pick one. You get greedy. one. You're, getting, you're being greedy right now. Um, it, they were really good penalty kicks. They really were. Really good penalty kicks. So, like, I, I there was none where it's like, man, he really should have had that one. But again, I mean, you know, you see you see Tim Milia save three in a row in one match, and then the next match, after eight, Steve Clark can't get his hand on one of them. It was, 
you know, a hard one for a lot of different people. And in the end, Dallas wins, which, I mean, is good for us in terms of just the table. Again, if that meant if San Jose had won, you know, Seattle would have been the only team left that would have been above us that could have um, won. But obviously San Jose didn't win. Uh, but still, a good night for us. Um, but as a Portland fan, I was definitely sad. Yeah, it's too bad because I, I do like Portland. But, you know, you're always wanting to see the loons in a better situation. So having Dallas win helps us because I think we can play against Dallas very well. Um, and, and we'll see how that goes, you know. Yeah, so I mean, again, it, a good night for us, not great for Portland. Um, and then technically tomorrow, there still is three matches to go. Um, one of them is still in the first round, and two of them are kind of in like the kind of second round because of those play-in matches. So Toronto plays. We've got Nashville. the skinny jeans death match: Seattle versus LAFC. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep, we got that. That's nine thirty, which will be it'll be a late one. Um, Toronto plays Nashville at 5, Philadelphia and New England at uh, 7. I have Toronto, Philadelphia, and Seattle winning, um, which I had kind of had before. Again, we said whoever wins the play-in games, I don't think that matters. Um, and I think you had the same, actually. Yeah, same here. Did you Toronto. have LAFC beating Seattle? I have LAFC beating Seattle, and I was wrong. Oh, my listeners, I know you know I'm always right. But I, I had uh, Portland beating Dallas which is incorrect. But I had LAFC yeah. beating Seattle, and I have Toronto uh, beating the playoff, or beating the play-in games. Mm-hmm. So that's round one. Um, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll, we'll, give, uh, we'll do predictions later, but um, what's most important for round two, Minnesota United, Sporting Kansas City. I don't think we've ever taken a point in Kansas City. I think that was a stat I heard when we were going to go down there originally. I don't think we've ever taken a point at Kansas City until the emergence of Emmanuel Reynoso. That's true. There we go. Look at, hey, I am so high on this man. We are going to beat SKC. We also have some listener questions. So thank you if you submitted a question. Um, You know, I think one of the first questions that I'm seeing on this list is Stefan Wenk saying, is Metnir back and Dotson in the midfield enough to solidify the back line after a shaky performance against Colorado, or should we be concerned about it heading into another matchup with a team with good wingers? You know, truthfully, I think more so than our fullbacks, I think our center back stability is the most important. That's my personal opinion. I'm wrong frequently, Alex, so you can weigh in too. But I think the fact that we have Debassi playing very well and Boxall healthy, it doesn't really matter if we have Metnir or Dotson. I think those two clean up so much for us, it'll make a big difference. Yeah, yeah I mean, it kind of goes with Drew's question as well. Um, what was your biggest concern from Colorado? Um, only changes you make are Ozzy and Romain, question mark. Um, yeah, it, when I look at that Colorado match... Um, our our problems defensively again came when they not even I would not even necessarily counter just a, a a swift attack coming down, our rotation would just get so disheveled, and someone would dive in and that would leave like no one else covering that gap. Um, so even if we didn't make any substitutions, I think I would feel better if just everyone went out there the, the same way again. Um, but I do think that if we put in Ozzy and Romain, 
I think that's enough to sure up the back line and make me feel comfortable. Um, and also, I don't know who else I would change. I mean, I'm not taking Debassi off. And it seems like a silly, a silly errand to you know try and put someone in there for Gasper at this point. So, yes, I think that that's enough for me to go and feeling comfortable. Kansas City is going to be very tough. I don't know. They didn't have Polito on the weekend, along with a couple others. Um, I don't know if he's going to be healthy again. It sounded like they thought he would be. Um, they also might have thought that they could get by Kansas, you know, San Jose without him, so they like decided to rest him. But if he's healthy, it doesn't matter who we have out there. He's probably going to get one. Probably. I think it's very fair to say. I think um, one of the best advantages for our defense is how our offense is running, which is that, like I said earlier, with Emmanuel Reynoso, we don't depend on our fullbacks pushing so far up. So if Chase Gasper and whoever's on the right back, whether it's Dotson, whether it's Metnir, can stay a little bit farther back, we're going to be so much more at an advantage than we have in the past. We're going to be able to play farther back, whether it's Johnny Russell on the um, right side or whether it's Gerso on the left side. Gerso. Yeah, you know, I, I pronounce everything wrong. You know, give me a break. But I think no matter what, if we're playing farther back, we'll be in a better position. And so I think there's no doubt. I think Polito will score, score a goal against us. If he's uh, healthy. Yeah, I think he will be. My guess is that he will be. be. I think he will be. I think they will try to play him, you know, because it's do or die. I know, I think sporting Kansas City, not to be cocky, but I think they are afraid of us in the sense that we are a better matchup against them than San Jose is. You know, they they beat San Jose in shootouts. I I don't think there will be a shootout. I think Sporting Kansas City might beat us, and they could. I don't think this ends in a tie. Truthfully, that's that's my biggest thing. So, so kind of with that, I, you know, we talked about how how last match left, you know, Gasper being able to stay back a bit. Um, Chad asked uh, Chad, who actually has updated his handle to now say Robin Lude Stan. Uh, oh, join you, the clubs! Yeah, join the club. Join the club. There's plenty of room. Always accepting more. Membership is free. Anyways, Chad asks, would you keep the same four up top next weekend? That's a good question. I think 100% We kind of talked yes. about it a little bit yeah. in, our, in, our, in our post-match review, but yes, would you keep it? Easily. I, I think, you know, Ethan Finley contributes so much to this team in the stuff that's like, we do that high-press defensive maneuver, and I love that. And Ethan Finley's work rate is so good, you got to keep him in. I think Robin Lude is very effective goal scoring. I think Kevin Molino, Emmanuel Reynoso, all those guys do really, really good work offensively. And so I think you don't mess that up. I I think Kai Kamara is an all-time great in MLS. But I also think with this team right now, you if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So don't change what is working so good for this team, which is those three players, Lude, Molino, Reynoso, keep them in. Finley does a great job with his work rate. Don't change it. Keep it. It's interesting. I think I would change it not because of the way that Lude played up top, but just because I just I I, I love Finley. But again, as far as the starting eleven goes, I'm taking Lude in the right winger spot over Finley and then putting someone else up top. It's almost like I'm picking Kai Kamara. Who are you putting up top? Probably Kai Kamara. Yeah, it's almost like I'm picking Kai Kamara over Finley, not like Lude over Finley. 
Um, I still think that's a better lineup. You know, looking at the ratings from from the you know Kansas City San Jose match, their entire the Kansas City entire back line had the worst ratings of anyone on the field basically. So that could be a nice matchup for us um, if if we can get in a couple on them um, because like we said, I think we're all in agreement that they're going to get at least one, um, more like probably two. So I think we need to figure out a way to get three, and I think that we have a better chance of scoring with you know. Kai Kamara instead of Finley. And that, that takes us really well into Madeline's question. Uh, SKC predictions, what do you think our strengths defensively were against Rapids slash will be against SKC? Well, first off, SKC predictions, I think this will be a, a multi-goal game probably on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely see this being like a 3-2 win. Um, Sporting Kansas City's defense does not impress me at all, even a little bit. Their offense is very scary, and I think it's, their offense... With, even without Polito, it's, it's scary. Yeah, but you put Kyrie Shelton in one way or the other, he's scary. You put Polito in, it's even more scary. So it's going to be a multi-goal game. Um, I mean, yeah, Kyrie Shelton, uh, Gerso Fernandez, um, Busio, Johnny Russell, um, and then we haven't even gotten into like, you know, their super subs. Of like Eric Hurtado, who had the greatest goal maybe I've ever seen, you know, maybe not the greatest goal I've ever seen, but very good. And he's still like on the bench, and you're just like, and then yeah, then you have Polito coming on. It's just offensively they're a nightmare, and that's not necessarily a strong point. Um, so I have it. Yeah, if we're gonna win this one, which I do have us winning this, it's gonna have to be you know three two. We're gonna have to get in a couple because even at our best, um, I, we're gonna have a hard time with them. Yep. I think, to Madeline's question, our strengths defensively would be Hairston or Ozzy, whoever starts in that six role, has to just play lights out. Like, we really need our six to really contribute strong. I think we need both of our fullbacks, um, whoever they may be, to very much contribute defensively and not get sucked too far forward. Um, And so, you know, we saw that against the Rapids. And I think we'll need to see that again against Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, which kind of goes into TK's question. Um, they ask what Kansas City's biggest advantage over us is. Um, and actually, this is one I had brought up too. Does Kansas City playing, you know, the 145 minutes, whatever it was, give us an advantage? Um, I mean, it'll be a, like a full week since they played, so... That's a two-part question for you. Yeah, I think um, there won't be one huge advantage for either team. I think that SKC has a very good offense. We have a very good offense. I am biased. I will admit that very readily. But I think our back line is better than Sporting's back line. And I think their goalie is a little bit better. So if they can take us into shootouts, we'll be not in a great position. So, in my opinion, Minnesota United has to do everything they can to avoid getting into a shootout. We have to sell out for a win, not a tie. Right. Yeah, the question is, biggest advantage over MNUFC. I don't think I have a clear answer to that. The M- Kansas the advantage would advantage be, it would, it would is be definitely their, the offense. Yeah, or it would be right. their and shootout think, goalkeeper. Sure, that's true, yeah. And I think that it is an interesting match where, like, both of our offenses are the strong suits and both of our defenses are the weak points. So we're kind of both be like, again, we're, we're seeing, you know, three, two, something like that. Um, again, it'll just be who can score more goals and get a little lucky. We have, we both have bad defenses and good goalies. Um, it'll be an interesting one. 
and again, we've never taken a point there is, is the stat I heard. I, I haven't done my own research to look that up, but I believe that's what Cal said when we had our game canceled. And Grant, Grant um, said that too. Grant said that too. So it's gonna be very tough, um, very tough. But I, again, I, I have us actually winning. When I updated my stat, my bracket to have us beating Colorado, I had us beating Kansas City Yeah, well. I have it being a game that's exciting enough that finally extra time will give us a little bit of attention. I think it's going to be a multi-goal game for both sides again. Do you um, think, uh, Dan O asked, do you think Robin Lou's the first person to get a multi-goal game in Kansas City? Oh, Dan O, you are singing my tune, but I will not get sucked into the temptation. I love Robin Lude, you know this, many people know this about me. I don't think he does. I don't think yeah, he does. I don't think I so think, I think that's a good thing. I think he gets We're a goal. We're going to do the thing where yeah, everyone's going to get one and you're not going to know who to look yep. at. Yep, I love that and I, I'm all about it. I think I'm going to throw a crazy prediction out there. I think it's a four goal game. I think Robin gets one. It's a four goal game for, for the loons, so four loons score, four different loons. Actually, no, I'll take that back. Three, because two of them are probably going to be Kevin Molino. Hot boy. Yes, I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, I think the only question we haven't asked is Jason's. Um, it's less of a question and more of a, a string of statements. Uh, I think I agree with all of them. All right, Dane's clean sheet. Love it. Amazing. Multiple brilliant saves. Love it. Love it. SKC's home field advantage. No travel and some fans in the stands. Don't love they it. They had more fans than I thought they were going to have. I will say that. They did, but also, like, I don't know. I think there is absolutely home field advantage with the travel, and I think if you have a full stadium, that makes a big difference. But I think, like, 4,000 people, it's like, hey, guys, you go get them. You know, it's not going to be, like, a massive fan advantage. I think it's going to be the travel advantage. Uh, sporting needing a perfect penalty shootout to beat San Jose. Embarrassing. One thing I'll say though, San Jose is a team that like, you can't really look at the way they play this team and say, well that means that like, you can't connect two teams that they played and say like, they would have beaten each other. Like, we play San Jose really, really well. We Like, Heath just gets it and he he just picks them apart. It's our man marking that. that's garbage. Right. I don't think you can look at that though and say like, oh, well, if Kansas City lost to them this badly and we beat San Jose this badly, then that should mean that we're going to beat, you know, the kind of one of those situations. So I think that San Jose is a team that really, depending on how they line up against another team, their results can be vastly different. So I'm not going into this game thinking like, oh, well, they like, you know, they barely beat San Jose. That should mean we'll handle them, you know, handedly, to use the same word twice. Um, I do am not super impressed by them. We talked about this last time that they haven't beat anyone in a long time. Uh, anyone impressive in a long time um, and obviously San Jose was another example of them not looking super impressive but the connection to us beating San Jose so badly and them not beating San Jose so badly I'm a little more wary of yeah I think you explained that very well I think we will have a tough game against sporting especially away because of the travel and as I understand it Alex correct me if I'm wrong it's still same day travel right still same day travel as so far as I've rough. heard yeah that's rough um, the it's last, not too far. I mean, it's, it's definitely our closest one we'll have all game, our all tournament, but you're still getting up and traveling, yeah. Yeah, it's not ideal. And I think last but not least, Jason mentions the chances of return for Polito. I think Polito at least attempts to start the game. Who knows if he's in? Who knows if he's out? The thing is... I hadn't even heard anything about him being injured, so 
that's kind of why I'm thinking he'll be back. Like, it sounded like it wasn't like a major thing to me. I don't know. Here's the important thing. Alan Polito, with this season not including the MLS's back post-group stage, Alan Polito, five goals, one assist. Gotti Kinda, five goals, two, or excuse me, six goals, two assists. Johnny Russell, six goals, two assists. Eric Hurtado, five goals, zero assists. Kyrie Shelton, five goals, one assists. Gerso Fernandez, I'm not going to get that right. Three goals, three assists. Roger Espinoza, two goals, one assists. The point that I'm saying is that whether or not Polito's in, and I think Polito is a game changer, they still have goal scorers throughout their entire attacking front line. So yeah. I, I am nervous. I don't want Polito to start. But whether or not he starts, we still have quite a hefty challenge defending all those players. Yeah, whether or not he starts or not, it's going to be a challenge. Obviously, with him out there, it's one less person to worry about. He wasn't even listed on the on the injury report that I looked at on, on FootMob. I always say FootMob. It sounds like FootMob. Um, but also, uh, Zuzi and Beasler were out. So they had a couple injuries. Again, it's not going to be easy, but I do have us eking it out. Yeah, I, I think we win this one. I don't think it's going to be the 3-0 bashing that we had against um, Colorado. But, you know, as we always say, Alex and I are frequently wrong. You know, we're wrong every single week, frequently, constantly, consistently. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I am as ambitious and optimistic as I've ever been. I feel so good seeing Emmanuel Reynoso just clicking with the team. So, Alex, I don't know. I feel good. Yeah, I feel good. I I feel, again, when I updated from us beating Colorado, I had us also beating Kansas City. So uh, before we get out of here, let's hit some of the matches that will happen before we meet again. So we already talked about you know, our first round predictions, which we both have, or I have Seattle, you have LAFC. And then we both have Philadelphia over New England, and we both have Toronto over Nashville. So then in that situation, Philadelphia would play Orlando on Sunday the 29th. Who do you have in that situation? I have Philadelphia. I have Philadelphia beating Orlando. Um, yeah. I've got Orlando. I think that they're hot this year. Um, then would also be Columbus playing Toronto. I have Columbus. And I know, wait, let me predict it for you. You have Toronto winning. I do. I have Toronto and Seattle going back to the, the final this year. Okay. Well, my hand a little you're bit wrong there. and I'm right. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see. No, uh, we'll see. I think, honestly, to give credit to the Eastern Conference, they've got a lot of really solid teams. And, and there's not a lot of bad answers truthfully i wish extra time would spend more attention on the western conference because it's so unpredictable it's it's more interesting in my opinion but um you can't really complain picking toronto over columbus i think columbus is a team that can beat anybody i think columbus is similar to the loons in that way but toronto has so many good players i would not be surprised if if toronto ended up winning yeah yeah, I have Toronto. Um, I just think I think they're just so strong, and also just the the playoff experience that they have. I think that goes so far in a single elimination game. Um, so I have I have if nothing else, I have them winning on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean that's I think that's it, right? It's been a packed week. We talked about all of it. Um, we probably could have talked about Orlando for a lot longer. We probably could have talked about Portland for a lot longer. I definitely could have talked about our game against Colorado all night long. 
But I think we got to leave it there, man. We, we live to fight another day. We still got three more soccer matches tomorrow, and that's still like the first round, basically. Yeah, we, we, we passed the haunted, glassy eyes of Jack Price, and we are on to the next round. You know, I feel so good. I feel Which, so good. I think we do need to say, we both said he needed a big match, and he did not have a good match, I don't think. No, he did not. I was so actually I a little... pat ourselves in the back there. Yeah, you know, I don't... If I'm being really lame and boring and sportsmanlike, I don't like to see players have a bad match. I don't root for players to have a bad match. But, like, right. man, he did not do anything. Which is what we said he had to do for them to win. He had to come out and shut down that midfield, and he certainly did not. So... We're smart, and we know what we're talking about is what we're saying. The curse faded out. It was gone. <laughs> and now that he's crawled curse... back up into your attic till next year. <laughs> yeah, the curse ran out, and he's crawled back up into his uh, conjuring universe where, uh, you know, he can scare some children maybe next he Halloween. He can only hurt us in our dreams now. He can only hurt us in our dreams, but no longer on the soccer field. There you go. We're going to leave it. We're going to leave it there. We've done it. Uh, thank you for the questions. Thank you for listening. We play again either the 1st or the 2nd of December. We're not sure yet. Um, three matches tomorrow night. Hit us up with your predictions. Keep sending us gifts on how you're feeling. That makes me feel better because I'd like to know that other people out there are also falling apart emotionally on match days. Anything you want to add, Grant? You no. Add uh, same as Alex said. Thank you for listening. Sorry we're wrong all the time. Sorry we're right all the time. And... Uh, we're very excited for the next round. Go Loons. Go Loons. All right.